introduction. So welcome to No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Shanam, Mr. Rob, and Zane. And then today we got my lady, my queen, the architect, the architect of this particular session, Latanya, uh-huh. is joining us also a big Kwan fan who put us on after we did the Shannon Holmes interview. She was like, oh man, y'all gotta interview Kawan because that brother books is fire. So here we have today, Kawan joining us. I appreciate that. I so appreciate that. Thank you very much. You got it. Yo, so um, let's t- just, just to get started. So tell us a little bit about how you got into writing and what inspired you to write your first novel, Gangster. Um, I got into writing, man. That shit was, can I say shit? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I ain't know like, like y'all like y'all caught me like the weed and all that. I ain't know if y'all had any type of regulations and nah, you we know, good, good. Oh, everybody, everybody, everybody is different, so I like to be sure, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I got into writing by accident. My mom was a writer, so my whole fascination for publishing came from trying to help her get her stuff out. Um, and she ended up passing um before that happened. So oh. during the during the uh, the whole process of her dying from this cancer, like you understand, I came up in the crack era, so like that shit decimated households. So there was a disconnect. So there was a disconnect between parents and children, and I didn't have a relationship really with my mother growing up. So when I started to develop a relationship with her when I was a little bit older, this terminal terminal diagnosis came down. Mm. So she's like, you know, before I die, I want to publish some of my stuff. So I'm doing the research for her, and in the midst of all of that. I started writing, I don't know if I want to call it a memoir, it was just like I just started writing this story, you know, and I would go and I would visit with her in the hospital and then I would um go home and I would, you know, start writing longhand, I started writing on a piece of a paper bag, um, then my grandmother like got me a secondhand computer and it started going from there, so by the time she passed, um, well, I was trying to sell but Back then, like, you had to either have, like, 10, 20 grand to self-publish. I started writing this story. So, like I was saying, back then, you needed, like, 10, 20 grand if you wanted to self-publish. And, um, or you had to go to a vanity press. And, you know, a vanity press is, like, one of those companies that says, like, yo, give us $2,500 and we'll do your whole book for you, make you a bestseller. Some weird, some weird shit. I didn't right. have $2,500, which turned out to be a blessing. Right. So, um... Me being a reader, what I would do is I would pull all the books off my bookshelf. And if you were a, a, an author or a publisher and your information was listed on the book, I would reach out, like writing letters or however, like, yo, I just, you know, and I wasn't looking for a deal. I just wanted some game because the problem that I kept running into, excuse me, with a lot of these publishers was like, ain't no market for the, for what you're writing about. Like this hood, this bang, bang, shoot them up shit, there's no market. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, with me, like I bought all my books from the street vendors. So I had read like um what was it? I read the, the coldest winter ever, mm-hmm. truth of the game, be more right. careful. Be more and careful. I'm like, these books is flying on the street. So how is it there is no market for this? So sure. um, I my vendor one day and I was like, yo, let me get I had just read Be More Careful. And I'm like, yo, let me get something like that. And he gave me let that be the reason. Vicky's email address was on the back of the book. Mm-hmm. So by then, I was so frustrated with getting rejected and getting shit on by authors who I was supporting and spending my money with. Right. And when I say shit, I mean like, yo, like, they was foul with it. Like, <laughs> like, like, like I was a beggar. And I'm like, yo, I never asked nobody for a dime. I never asked nobody for a handout to put me on just like, yo, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Mm-hmm. So I hit Vicky up like, yo, and, my, and, and she'll tell you this. If you ever get a chance to sit down with her, 
My email said, yo, I'm a thirsty motherfucker. Can you point me at a glass of water? <laughs> wow. She's like, she's hungry, like, kid. Yeah. Um, so I sent her like the synopsis and um the first chapter of Gangster. And again, like I didn't know she was doing the triple crown thing at the time. I just knew that she was a writer. I read read her shit and I reached out. But I had said by then, like, yo, if this don't work with her, I'm getting back in the street. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yo, this is dope. This is some ill shit. Because I can't, you have to understand something. Back then, all the all the all the main characters in these books were like girls. And like, and though they were street baits, I was writing for killers. I was writing for the murders. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Shit that right. killed to them. Because right. that's where the space I was in at the time. Mm-hmm. So she was like, yo, I can um help you get a deal and you give me a finance fee or I can sign you to this publishing house that I want to start called Triple Crown and you would be the very first author. So right. my logic is this. If I go to a bigger publisher that has a bunch of authors, I'm just lost in the state. If I'm the only game in town, then you got to give me all the focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and what um, what I found out was so ironic, I seen y'all had Shannon on it. What was so crazy, but I didn't find out until after I had done the deal, it was Shannon that put up the money. Wow. wow. Yeah. Whoa. Vicky was the brain, and she bet that she, she, yeah. she, she, she kept that from me. Because yeah. and when, I, and when I met Shannon, I understood why, because me and him was kind of like, I don't want to say cut from the same cloth, but we, we were on the same page with a lot of shit. Mm. So it's like, you don't never want the talent and the money man to get too cool, because right. then they cut you out. Right. And then she did some bullshit. That's a whole nother story. So, um, yo, and it was so crazy. Like when the manuscript was circulating around, and this one before she had the money, the manuscript was circulating, and nobody knew what I looked like. Nobody knew who I was. And people were telling her, like, yo, this kid is gonna be big. You don't have the money or the resources to do what's gonna be necessary to do it. And so, and like they was trying to like muscle her. And so me, I'm a street nigga. I'm like, man, fuck them. Like, where was they when I was trying to get it right? right. She wanted to sell my contract. She said, look, I'm going to sell your contract and let you go. Mm-hmm. I said, I fucked them. We're going to make it do what it's doing, whatever happens, happens. So this is, I guess, this is the point when Shannon came along. And Shannon put up bread. So we printed, I think, um, maybe 10,000 copies of Gangster. And this was like, uh, I want to say, I got my first copies on Christmas Eve. By the second week in January, they was all gone. The shit went so fast that back then, you know, back then it was consignment. Right. It went so fast that we didn't have no money to reprint. And everybody right. wanted to know who this crip nigga from Harlem was that wrote. And I'm, I'm not a crip. <laughs> they thought you were Lulo? They thought I was Lulo. The story was so convincing that I used to get letters from the jail. And, and, I, and I think if I get through these boxes, I can find this letter. And all the bloods in the house would sign the letter like, nigga, if you ever come through, we gonna murder you. <laughs> we gonna kill you. You come through jail, nigga, you dead. And so I said, damn, I must have wrote a pretty good story. So, and that was the birth of Gangster, the birth of Triple Crown, the birth of my career. That's crazy, man. And you're writing this comment, man, to, to, to affect brothers in the penal system. But yo, you brought up big numbers, man. Yo, yeah. make, make, make me a believer. You actually have 400,000 books in print? 400,000? 400,000 books in print? Today? No, I have like a million. Like, I probably have over a million books in print today. So what do you do? You get in a zone and you just write and just keep going? And I write. That's what I'm talking about. I write. And and that was always my thing. And this is the cold shit about it. 
when I was doing the first books, I didn't have no money. Mm. So mm. I would go get, I go get like three Lucy's and a 40 of St. Eyes and lock myself in the house. Damn. I wasn't answering my phone. My baby mother used to be like, yo, nigga, go make a sale. Your phone is jumping, get off the computer. And I'm like, yo, I can't, I gotta finish what I'm doing. And nobody thought, nobody thought anything would come of it. And I ended up being one of the biggest writers in, in, in not even just the genre, like just among African American writers. Yeah, so talk, about, talk about how meeting, how you how you met Vicky. Um, through email, like I, when I shot her that email, when I shot her the email about um gangster, and I didn't actually meet her face to face until years later. I had met Shannon long before I met Vicky, mm. and it's so um so crazy because I didn't know how to use like the um I knew how to send an email and to receive an email. But when it comes to sending files, I was just totally ignorant to it. So when I tried to send her the gangster file, I don't remember if I was copying and pasting. I don't, something was going wrong. And I'm like, yo, fuck it, you want the file, come get it. Come get the floppy disk. Mm. But she's like, um, I'm gonna send Shannon to get it. And I said, all right. This whole time, I'm thinking Shannon is a girl. <laughs> so when he pull up, I'm, and I'm living in Lincoln at the time, he pull up in the house, I'm like, yo, what up? I'm Shannon, I said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you the nigga that built Demon. I thought you was a bro. So we laughed, you know. And so we standing out. And Shannon, we stood outside, man, for probably like two or three hours just talking shit. I, I was doing my, my my little hustle. And me, I'm just so fucking dumb. Well, I was so fucking dumb at the time. This is a, a publisher who could potentially change my life. I'm outside with a pistol, fucking with the crackheads and selling my little weed while I'm talking about this deal. And he's just looking at me like, yo, is this nigga retarded? <laughs> but again, I didn't. I didn't. That was know. your resume. That was your resume. Huh? Yeah, I, I didn't know. And whatever he said to her, and according to her, she, he was like, "Yo, if you don't sign him, this was what she was telling me. Like, if you don't sign him, he's going to jail, or somebody's going to kill him." Mm. He was on it right there, bro. He probably saw, he probably saw himself in you. Yeah, because I'm like, Yo, I was so hungry. My my hunger for it. Well, so, you know, and I didn't know anything about Shannon. I didn't know his backstory. I didn't know none of that until years later. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I was so hungry. Like, I want this. You understand what I'm saying? I want this more than anybody, more than anything. Right. So tell me this. Like, uh, you know, you had started out as, as a painter. So what, what, what made you want to start getting into writing novels? Um, I, I, I didn't. I always thought, everybody thought because I was such a great, I had like scholarships and all that shit that I fucked up. And I was such a good artist, everybody thought that that was going to be my way out, but I, I fucked it up. I got caught up. So even with the first, when I wrote Gangster, I did that to get some money. When I wrote Road Dogs, I did it because um, fucking Vicky. Vicky was like, yo, um, people are saying you are one hit one. Now, 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 when by the time Gangster's out, there's a couple of other people coming out the woodwork. So she was like, people are saying you're a one-hit wonder and you can't do it again. And I'm like, yeah, you bucked. So she gave me what I call a kill list. And she was like, these are all the authors that are out right now that are trying to do what you do. Right. What you going, these are the niggas that saying you ain't shit. It's just a lie. But she gaslit you. you. And right. I'm like, what? What? Everybody dead. So I literally had this kill list taped to my computer because I had read all the books on the list. And I'm like, these niggas can't write. I'm gonna show you niggas something. <laughs> and I did um, Road Dogs, but I still did not see myself as a writer because the business at Triple Crown, and it had nothing to do with Shannon. Right. The business at Triple Crown was Vicky wasn't right. Mm, okay. And so I'm like, yo, if we was in the street, I'll shoot you. 
Because no, because you have to understand something. It's the difference between like if you in the hood, if you in the street, and somebody right. says something to you, you can handle it accordingly. In the business, a motherfucker could damn it spit in your face, and you can't go kill them. Mm-hmm. It's paperwork. You got a lawyer. You got a lawyer money. What do you want to do? Yeah. So I was like, fuck it. I'm gonna go back to hustle. And like down the line, I ended up getting with St. Martin's Press. When I put my third book out, which was under a major publishing house, that's when I began to understand my power and the gift that I had. Mm. Yeah, Tanya. Now, I was introduced to your books um, reading Animal. Everybody loves Animal. <laughs> and I, of course, I read all the Animal books, and then that took me into Welfare Wifeys, and I've read, um, you know, a good amount of them. I, I just finished reading um, Black Lotus, too. So. I don't read anything in, in order, so like I'm kind of scattered around, so I kind of pick up as I go. But what sets you apart from other writers? Well, what I always tell other writers, I don't do what you do and you don't do what I do. There's no classification for my genre. Because even though, and the whole reason that I was labeled, uh, and I'm just telling the story real quick to put it in the context. The whole, the only reason that they label my shit urban fiction is because when I went to my first meeting, with a major publisher. You got the president, you got the senior editor, you got all these good white folks, and you know, the editor was black. You got all these good white folks in this nice restaurant. I show up in a dicky suit, some Chuck Taylors, a Yankee fitted, the chain, <laughs> and I was just getting blazed in the car, so I know I smell like mad weed. Mad weed, yes, yeah, These people are looking at me like I could spell off a box. <laughs> and the president, he's just looking at me, right? And he was like, motherfucker, that's it. I thought he was right. right. What's it? He was walking it. He was living it. No way, yo, because they thought, because the street fiction was new, like the whole, I mean, not new, but just resurfaced. Mm-hmm. So they thought that I had come in there dressed like this to try to look the part for the books right. I was writing. Your, your the editor was like, this is not an act. This is who he is. And he was like, yo, you dress like this every day? And I said, yeah, man. I said, yo, you know, maybe I should have wore a suit. He was like, fuck that. Fuck that suit. This is what I want. He said, you're it. And I said, well, what is it? He said, hip hop fiction is what they call it. I said, what the fuck is that? So who, who, made, up the term, who made up the term street lit? It kind of, it morphed. It was hip hop fiction, then it was urban fiction, then it was street lit. So it kind of morphed as it went along. I don't know where, where. The first time I ever heard that type of reference was at that meeting. When he was like, you are going to be the poster boy for this genre that we're moving forward with. And we're starting to invest money. And I'm just being me. Like, I'm going to the signings and I'm just regular. I'm coming in the North Face. I got the Tim's on, the Scully. And these people in Barnes & Noble. I remember I went, in the, I went in the Barnes & Noble to do a signing one time. And I came in with two platters of chicken and two macarons of Hennessy. You can't do that. I said, oh, oh, man. I paid for it. I'm giving this shit away. You buy a book, you get a shot and some chicken. <laughs> and they was like, yo, this is the, the most ignorant nigga on the planet. <laughs> but he's so talented, we can't really double. Right. Looking back, looking back in hindsight, my approach definitely was not one that I would suggest to a new author. Because I was on some. <laughs> Real different weird shit. <laughs> but you gotta understand, like I told you, like I come from Lucy's insane eyes. That's, That's where your best creation come from. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like Hennessy for everybody. 
like, yo, nigga, like, yo, you better tone that shit down because after your signing, niggas is outside fighting because you got to do that. I had to, um, Vice President of the St. Martin's Press, we did, um, I think it was the Hood Rat book release party we did in a Levels Barbershop on uh, on 250. Mm-hmm. And so, they, you know, all the good white folks came, but again, I show up with the Hennessy. So I'm drinking a Hennessy, so I'm looking for the beef Matthew, God bless the dead, the VP of the company. Like, where's Matthew? Anybody seen Matthew? Matthew is outside by Grant Projects, drunk. Get out of here. What? Like, yo, what are you doing? He said, I'm not trying to get a cab, man. <laughs> We're gonna call you a haul and come back inside. We can't just walk out here, like, because I'm good, but my reach ain't like that. Like, you gotta stay in my line of vision, bro. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned you were talking about like the business element with um with Vicky Stringer, and I don't know how much you watched the Shannon Holmes interview, but he talked about his experience with Terry Woods. Oh, what I is watched, it? I watched the whole thing and I was crying the whole time. <laughs> he was Yo, he was being so, and that's why, I, I, that's why I love Shannon. A lot of people don't understand Shannon. <laughs> Shannon is gonna say exactly what it's on his mind. Okay. And he think about, he'll think about it after, like after, like oh shit. That, but he's gonna at the top, he's gonna say exactly what's on his heart. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, Shannon, Shannon, Shannon hit us up. Shannon said he wanna do a part two because he had so much stuff that he wanted to uh, tell us. Yeah, because he ain't even like, I, like I said, I watched the interview. He ain't even go where he could have went. Yeah. So what is what is it about the um the business element of, of publishing books and signing with these publishers that it seems like all these you know, all this uh nefarious shit come into play when, when working with these people. I mean because I, I kinda liken it to like you got hip hop artists that are signed to other hip hop artists. But what what is it that comes up? Well, it's like with publishing, a lot of times it's a good facing system. And when I say that, like let's say if let me give you what was going on with Vicky for an example. I would get a royalty check for 30, 30, 40,000, whatever the royalty was for. And I'm a project man. I'm so happy you just sent me a tax free check for $40,000. <laughs> I'm not even questioning if you sent me 40. How much you got? You kept 50. Right. <laughs> you just and got drunk. And, th- and this was before like the book scan. So if, mm. if you tell me you only printed 10,000 copies, I have to take it in good faith and be mm. a royalty statement. That you only printed ten thousand copies, unless I go chase down the vendors and the printers, and, it, and it's still really hard to tell. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, you got to be to be a publisher, you have to have an honest heart. Right. You have to have an honest. I'm not a lot of them don't have honest hearts, and I can't say that I blame them because, like, we all come from a certain element, right? And once you start seeing how easy it is to get over, especially motherfuckers like that, like knowing people's like. Like you don't realize what type of person a person is until you get to know their character. So when you sign the deal, you're the happiest motherfucker in the world because somebody took a chance on you. And I will always love and respect him for that. Mm-hmm. But on the downside, it's like the kind of shit some of these publishers pull. Like you would die in the street for that, and yeah. nobody would question it. Yeah. Like you stealing from kids. Like I remember I sold to Vicky one time. Like yo, Vicky, man, what's up with my money? Like. My daughter's first Easter's coming up. Y'all ain't made good on this in van. She said, yo, nigga, when I signed you, you said you was a street nigga. Get in the street. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Put you right out there. Get out there. I'm like, yo, you shit me. Like, and, you know, so it's crazy. Like, and, I said, and it wasn't all bad. I don't want to paint a picture like it was all bad at Triple Press. I made a lot of money, and I had a lot of fun at Triple Press. Mm. 
and I would never trade that experience in the world because going through those things, it taught me what not to do, and it taught me humility, and it taught me an appreciation for the art, for the craft. Mm. There you go, and that's important, man. And I, and I usually ask this question a lot of artists, man, but I can see your imagination is all over the place, bro. You got a vivid imagination. Yo, yeah, like, you, you can tell when I'm talking, because I'll start talking. We'll start talking about one thing, I'll <laughs> bring up three more subjects and then bring that shit back around to the front. And you lost in the conversation by the time I get back to what we were talking about. And I, and I try to I, I try to be very conscious about it when I do interviews, because mm -hmm. when I go back and look at the interviews, I get self-conscious, like, nigga, you talking too fast. Yeah, how many, movies, how many how many movie scripts have you worked on? I'm, I've written quite a few movie scripts. But I've written a few, mm. and the thing is, it's like the movie game. Unless you're doing it yourself, it's a, it's a very tricky beat. Yeah, it's a very tricky beat. You got some people that'll come and say, "Well, we want to give you this and make you all these promises, and you sign off one, and then your movie is some bullshit." Right. Like I had a um, I had I, I had a deal with Cash Money for a film that I didn't sign because it. My instincts told me not to sign it. It was for it was for a lot of money too. Well, a lot of money to me. Let me say that. Right. I think this said this is not something that you want to. Because I had been through bad movie options before, and I didn't want to go through it again. Because the, the urban, the urban, the urban book industry, uh -huh. it's, it's still relatively. I don't want to say it's new, but it's still growing. Still, it's still growing. I mean, it's different now. And I always tell people, the genre started with Donald Goins, Iceberg Slim, Odie Hawkins, Chester Himes, those guys. It died for like 20 years. Okay. It came back with the Sister Soldiers, the Shannons, the Vickies, the Kawan. Like, it was only five, there was five of us doing it. Me, Sister Soldier, Shannon, Vicky, and Terry. There was only five of us in the beginning when they resurfaced. Right. Now it's like every day you got a hundred yeah. yeah, you got a lot of awesome problems. And I don't, and I don't knock the way anybody feeds themselves. But you got to be a student of the game. Before I put pen to paper, I was a student of the game. I was well read. I I, I made sure to educate myself. Maybe not necessarily about the business side of, of the game, but about the craft. Mm. Read the books that came before me to see what made them great. What made them What made them so special that forty years later we're still talking about? Yeah. Right. So. Can you can you tell us about the story about uh the Mercedes Benz and Bummy Sweat story? <laughs> Where y'all know that up from, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's, that's a good question. So okay, this is how it went. There was a period in like me, I'm if y'all can't tell, I'm I'm very aloof. I don't deal with rules, regulations, and it creates a problem a lot of time with right. publishers because the shit I do, I start working on a book two weeks before it's due, knowing I should have started it three months ago. <laughs> but, and it's just how my brain works, so my books are laid, like I'm showing up places laid, sometimes I might smell like weed, you know, harmless, <laughs> but harmful. Right, so, I got um, Free, brother, you free, man. Yeah, yeah exactly, I'm feel like I don't want to know, like, yo. So what was happening was, major publishers at one point were giving out a lot of money to bumps. They were paying up the, uh, the bums more than they were paying the people that truly had the gift. Mm -hmm. And they don't know no better because the major publishers' ears are not to the street. Mm -hmm. right. So they came a point in time a few years later when people started losing their deals. It was like um, people were getting dropped from publishing houses left and right. 
You know, and people is like, come on, this nigga is always drunk high. This nigga's a Martian. He lost his deal. So I would start showing up to these places when I, not, oh, the whole time I'm behind the closed doors doing a deal with, I had just did, um, uh, my, I think my last book for St. Martin, I was doing a, a deal with Cash Money. And nobody knew about it. I kept it quiet. So I would show up, people would have like book signs, and I would show up, and I would wear the same gray sweatpants every time I showed up. <laughs> I would make the edit. I had the gray sweatpants, and I still got it. It's a crunchy Yankee hat on my desk right there. I got a crunchy Yankee hat and these gray sweatpants. And I'm I'm doing this for shits and gigs. I acted like I pawned all my jewelry. Oh, so I would show up, and I started noticing that people were treating me different when they didn't think that I was in a position to do anything for them. And I'm peeping game, right? So I said, all right, I'm gonna show you niggas something. Mind you, still nobody knew about the cash money deal. I had already got paid. I bought the I bought the bins from something else, but not from the cash money deal. So anyway, I had a book sign, and I got there before. I made sure I got there before everybody else. And I had just bought this bin. Let me can I tell you the bin story real quick, so then you understand, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, do the bins. Told, yeah, the bin story, and then you know how I, how I ended the sweatpants joint. How I ended up okay. To put the story in perspective. And I know I talk in circles a lot. I'm sorry, y'all. Just please bear with me. No, no, I get it, bro. I get it. So, um, I was at a car dealership with my wife and my mother-in-law one day. And I was doing some work in the house. So I'm dirty. I'm ashy. And I had two, I think I had two cars at the time. I wasn't no bands. I had like a, a Camry. And I think I had a minivan. Um, so I'm at this dealership and I'm looking at the stuff. And I'm on cars. I'm testing, you know, test driving a couple of hours. So black dude. What, I asked him to see another car, and he, like, he had an attitude. I said, yo, what's your problem? He said, yo, you don't have no money, wasting my time. You know? I said, all right, cool, bro, I, I get it. So we didn't care, we had two cars. So that shit was, but it was eating me up because he did it for my wife and my mother-in-law. It was eating me up all night, all night. I called my man seven o'clock in the morning. I said, yo, come get me. He said, yo, you drive? I said, no, just come get me. I'm explaining when I get, come get me. I need you to take me to the bank. I need to take me to this car dealership. So I go to the car dealership. Now, now I'm clean. Got on my nice book, adult shit. And so I see the same dude, right? And he's like, oh, this motherfucker. Right <laughs> so I, I'm like, yo, where's the manager? And he was like, I'm the other dude, like white dude. Like, I'm the manager. I said, yo, I came in here to buy a car. He said, I really like this silver bench. Like, what's up? He was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I said, I asked him the price. He gave me the price. I just start pulling stacks of money out my pockets. Like, I had, like, this big sweater on. And I'm thinking in all the pockets, putting money, like, yo, let me know when to stop them. Let me know when to stop them. <laughs> and I said, anybody in this dealership can help me accept this concept. <laughs> and I told him what he did. So fast forward, now I got these bins. I didn't even fucking need the bins. I didn't even want the bins. But now you I got did the proof of point, yeah. I got. You. I pull up in front of the bookstore before everybody gets there, and I park the car right in front of the bookstore, and I go off about my business, and I come back. So everybody all day long because the car is parked in a really weird place. It wasn't like a technical parking spot. Everybody's like, "Yo, who would just leave this beautiful car just sitting here?" And such and such, we're at the book signing, we be moving. I waited till everybody got there, we're talking, and they're like, "Oh, come on, glad to see you back on your feet." I said, "Back on my feet." Boop, boop. <laughs> it was like, yo, no, I, matter of fact, I told, um, I'm like, back on my feet, and I hit the thing on the joint, and my man was like, yo, that's, that's your shit. I said, yeah, bummy ass nigga in the sweatpants, so y'all didn't want to come to the parties, and y'all was whispering about the parties, and y'all didn't want me to come. Remember that? 
Yo, I'm a false person every time. How many times you know, had on this show? Yeah. yeah. That's the, it was it was it was several, Rob. Yeah, it was several. Oh yeah. And we yeah. Yeah. and Sagittarius, we probably gotta be the most petty ass sign on the zodiac. <laughs> we are we are super petty. Yo, sir, we could be on our bullshit when we want to. That's a fact. Do you know? That's a, that's a true fact, though. Yeah. So that that was the that, that was the Ben story. So I don't know. Where you dug that up from, man? <laughs> hey, man. I, mean, I can't lose with the stuff I use. I can't. I can't. I, I can't tell you my sources, bro. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a classic story. Put up. Yeah. There, and they knew exactly mm-hmm. who I was talking to when I was saying, right. man, like, get the fuck out of here, like y'all left. Y'all thought I was dead in the water. I was, <laughs> and that's when, and that's when I bust out on with the animal series. Right. So with um other people, other writers that's in the game right now, who are some other people you actually um I guess interact with or other books that you may read from some um, of the other um um writers in your genre? Um, I love these styles. Um Shonda Whitaker. Um because I see I don't interact with a lot of writers. I'm I'm a very solitary person because I just don't but there's certain like certain ones, um D, like that's my man, you know what I'm saying? That's my brother. So there's certain people that I, I do interact with, like other people. I'm cordial, you know. I'm not an I'm, I'm never an asshole about it, but we not having dinner together. And so you had to stun on them, right? No, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> that always makes me feel so. I, that makes me feel like a terrible person when you look at it like that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I'm, I'm Queen Petty. So, believe me, I look for the opportunity. Yeah, and it's sometimes, you know, and it, it's, it's because stuff like that, I'm, I'm a very sensitive dude. So stuff like that hurts your heart. When you be like, yo, I bought you shit, I done did X, but you're not saying it out loud, but you're thinking like, yo, I put you on. That deal you got, I got it for you. Mm. Now you shitting on me because you with this new circle of people. I got something for you. <laughs> yeah. You were talking... Um, Rob was asking you about like the like screenplays and screenwriting and um, Tanya and I we spent a lot of time watching Amazon Prime movies. We watched the movies on Amazon Prime and a lot of those movies are adaptations of you know like the um, those novels and stuff like that. And one thing I learned is that everybody that's a great writer, a great author, it doesn't necessarily translate well to what they're trying to do when it comes to actually screenwriting. And I, and I'll say it like this: like when you have a book, I think you have plenty of pages to develop a character. Mm-hmm. But what I've learned is when we watch those films, and I always tell Tanya all the time, like, Yo, who's this new character? You have like 50 characters, and only five of them are actually relevant to what's going on in the story. What's, what's the difference between making a transition from being just, uh, I guess, like a, a, a screen author to a screenwriter? Like, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is, like, if I, if I write a book that's 400 pages, I have to condense it to 90 pages. So I have to take the best parts of the book, and sometimes it's hard because you can lose key elements in the story. 
Mm. So and that's why I figured like with, with the like I'm I'm somebody who writes my books with multiple characters. But like let's say for instance for the animal script, the animal script only focuses on a couple of characters that are really that would really push the story for. People don't like that overkill and you gotta remember who this and cause I did say yeah. that so like, yo, then who that again? And what exactly. is So it's like, you know, so you gotta just this con- condensing it. Like it's very tricky. Very, 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 very tricky. And it's something that I had to teach myself. Um, my wife bought me final drafts one mm. Valentine's Day. And it's probably the best gift she ever got because it's, with the final draft, I started teaching myself how to write screenplays. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I thought it was a great idea. I read somewhere that you refrain from doing book sign, or book readings in Barnes and Nobles, you're doing book reading and barbershop and beauty salon. Tell me, tell me your, your, the reason for that. Okay. Um. Well, the reason for that, uh, when I when I when I was in it for a while, like I used to like going to the Barnes and Nobles and the Walmart's and all of that stuff. But I felt like the people who were really behind me, the people who were really with me, the people who I know maybe didn't have it like that and would spend their last fifteen hours on a Kawan book, they were in the barbershops, they were in the beauty salons, they were on the street. That's right. So, so like my presence, I I would be better suited. To reach out to those people because they don't get book signings, they don't have no bars and no books in their neighborhood or no chain books. So, so people don't come there. And so what, I wanted to go there. And, and what I, what I thought was dope because you got little black kids in the barbershop, little boys want to learn how to read. They put someone reading a nice book with a nice story, like oh, and they encourage some of the younger people to read books too. Yeah, that's a fact. I always tell people my books are stepping stones. You may start off like because a lot of people, like a lot of, especially our young men, are not comfortable with reading. Yes, sir. If, it if it's not something that appeals to them. So mm-hmm. I always look at it like this. I give a kid gangster because gangster is going to appeal to them. The kid may be gangbanging, doing whatever he's doing. But after gangster and he wants to challenge himself now that he's comfortable reading, maybe he'll discover Maya Angelou. Right. Yeah. That's right. right. Tell, me, tell me about uh, when you lived out in LA. How much was it an influence on your writing, uh, if, if 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 there was any influence on your writing when you lived out there in the West Coast? That was a, that was a, that was a uh, that was a huge influence for me. Uh, have have I not lived in LA? There would not be a gangster. And the reason that it was influential, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it with a certain age, right? Gang banging is not a New York. Like we had street gangs back in the days, like whatever neighborhood, you know, or whatever we had people with. That blood and crip shit came later. Yeah. So in New York, us as New Yorkers, we looking at that blood and crip shit like, man, get the fuck out of that. That's corny to do. Oh, when I went and moved out there, that shit different. So especially like, and I was a door-to-door salesman, so I'm in different neighborhoods interacting with different people. So I had to learn etiquette. I had to learn about the color lines. I had to learn about just certain things that I'm like, holy shit, like, this is not just cutting old ladies and wearing rags. Like this is really a culture. Mm, so right. a lot of um a lot of people that I got close with, they were like, "Yo, homie, like if you're gonna live out here, then we need to educate you so that you're good because you're moving." I went into a crip neighborhood one time and I own this bright red tie. It was just like, it's like, yo, you trying to be funny? Like my whole demeanor, and I and the culture that I took my way out of it. I'm like, he's like, this such and such grip. I'm like, what, nigga? I'm from New York. I ain't seen no motherfucking access ramp or handicap signs. What you talking about? <laughs> it's like, yo, this... so no, but um, 
So the education I got out there was priceless. So when I came back home, I looked at the gangbanging shit, even though I still feel like a lot of New Yorkers who have adapted that that culture are not doing it accordingly. I agree. So, I agree. So, I agree 100%. I, I looked at it different. And so when I wrote Gangsters, I was pulling from that, from the cats that I had been around. I'm talking about breaking bread, eating ramen noodles with these dudes from out there, you know? And I, I was I didn't make a lot of money when I was in California and doing that door to door um magazine shit. But I got an education, man. I got such an education. And it taught me how to move because certain things like out there, wearing the wrong number on your jersey to get you killed. That's right. right. Like to us, Yankee hats is regular Yankee hats. To them, that's you claiming your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So it's just different things, it's just little nuances and things that you have to learn. If you're going to be out there, because I've seen some dudes, man, out there from New York that got dig bad because they didn't respect it. They didn't respect it. Whenever you go somewhere, I don't care where it is, I don't care what you think of it. When you're not home, even when you're home, you have to respect your surroundings. Respect the lay of the land, man. You got to respect the lay of the land. If this is not how they operate out here, then you got to tone that back. Certain things we may say back home that are not offensive, they take offense at. Now I've read um, a good amount of your books and when I read, I actually put envision myself or envision the characters and I can I can see the areas. So when you talk about Harlem and all that, I can, I can see 125th, I can see the Polo Grounds and all those other places. How much, how much of your stories are really based off of true life events or things that have really gone on or that you've experienced throughout your life? Um, honestly, 85 and maybe these days it's closer to 70. But in the early days, 85% of the stuff that I was writing about, I experienced, seen, or knew somebody that went through. So, and this is why some of the stuff hit so close to home. Like Gangster was based on Gangster was based on me coming back from from LA and doing and, and feeling how I was feeling, doing what I was doing, and then looking at the gang culture and how it wasn't organized and what was going on and then my own demons I was fighting as a young man. And so that manifested the character Lulok. Lulok was, was me by the same thing with Animal. Animal was at like I wrote the Animal series when I was at a point in my life where I was trying to figure out what I fit. Like mm-hmm. I'm not I'm I'm not still in the streets so I don't fit over here no more. I'm not rich so I really don't fit over here. I'm weird. I like to listen to gothic rock and all kinds of, I'm different. And I don't fit. And this is why the character Animal is like that. Because it's like two sides to a coin, but that underlying, that underlying, if you notice all of my characters have that same underlying repressed rage that all of us as kids that came up in a certain era still carry with us as adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, with, um, even with, I guess, a character like Animal, I guess, Hold it. What's your? What was your? Your? How do you envision him if it was? If you were made animal into a movie, like, what would we be? What would we see from animal that you know people who may not read your books can actually identify or see animal as? You would see animal as. Uh, animal is every little kid in America whose parents didn't fucking want them, but they had them, so they had to be there. Animal is a classic example of what happens when you just have no guidance and, and, just, and, and no structure. Animal is a toy. He's a, he's, a, he's a good heart because we're not born monsters. That's right. I mean, monsters is a learned behavior. This is what we go through in the streets and in the prisons. This is what makes us monsters. 
Well, we're not born that way. We're born innocent. We're fucking babies, you know? So he was the same way. So, like, he still had that innocent plot. You gotta think about it. In the first book, Animal was only 16. Mm-hmm. You know, in these books that you're reading, even up to the Animal series, he's still in his early 20s. Animal's a baby. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like him feeling around the dark and him. And um, and I put that scene in Ghetto Bastard about him being in the dog cage. Like, it's a scene where his stepdad puts him in the dog cage. Mm-hmm. And he's thirsty, he pulls beer on him. He's like, little mm-hmm. animal. And so he began to feel like, can you imagine psychologically what that does to a kid? Yeah. <laughs> feel like you're worthless. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I was growing up, I felt worthless. You know, your mom is a crackhead, daddy's so fiend. You know, kids are screwed. Kids are screwed. Not knowing these niggas, y'all break, y'all bomb me and fucking with me. I ain't 83 days. Mm. And if I got to deal with this on top of that, I can right. every nigga out here. That's animal. Yeah. Yeah. How, how has, um, digital book sales change the landscape versus physical hard copy book sales because i know you hear a lot again in music about how now that digital sales have severely impacted the margins in terms of what people what artists can make has digital sales hurt if, if you're not a hustler they hurt because me i um i still sell more paperbacks than digital and people don't believe it Wow. I think the digital thing was amazing because it allowed brothers and sisters a way to feed their families, you know? And, and I applaud them, like, look, however you gotta do this, how you gotta do it. No child left behind. I strongly believe that. But I think it hurt in the way that it made it too easy. If you look at, you, and I was talking about this on Clubhouse, but a lot of the authors who are solely digital, now I don't know, they're making their money. If you ever see them in a socially setting, they're socially retarded. And when I mean socially retarded, they don't know how to like, how we should have, they, they couldn't have a conversation because they have not had to get out interacting, sell books that way. Everything is done on the thing. So I think digital digital is a great thing because it opens you up to a broader audience, people who may not be close to bookstores or may not have it for feedback. However, it's I think it's an amazing thing as long as it's used the right way. And, it, it's, and it's cut, and don't get me wrong, it is absolutely cut into paperback sales. You know, it's absolutely cut into that. But the paperback sales are still there. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you another. I've always been curious about this. Audio books, as the author, do you determine who narrates your book? Sometimes. Sometimes. Um, audio was something like, again, audio was something that I got in on, on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. Audio and can. Like when I was, I was talking this shit, and um, I'm not the first person who's done an audio. But I was talking this shit in 2008, like, yeah, with this new Kindle shit, I'ma try it. This audio shit, I'ma try it. And people weren't really on board. So, um, hey, man. So, but getting back to the thing about the narrative, sometimes, and a lot of times, it's up to the producer, because what happens is, an audio book is a licensing agreement. Like, when you hear somebody who's done one of my books in, in audio, I license it to you. You paid me for the right to license it to record this. Okay. So sometimes it's just at their discretion. But if you have a, uh, but then you have a, uh, other situations where they they say, okay, this narrator worked really well with his stuff, or these group of narrators work well with this volume of stuff we're doing, and it works like that. But so, sometimes I get say, but more more often than not, I don't. Do you have you ever heard like one of your audio books like a narrator? I mean, like, nah, this ain't the dude. I don't like the way this dude's sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying because the dude Carrie Hyde, he narrated like 
a big chunk of my books. Like he narrated almost all my books. And he's yeah. good. Like and Carrie's good because Carrie, um this is what determines who's good to narrate your book. They have to be invested in the project. Meaning they have to like the book. Carrie was somebody who once he got familiar with it, he started liking my work. So you can hear it when he's reading. Yeah. Yeah. Yo, you can hear the accent in his voice when he do because he did on Gangster, right? Yeah, he did. Um, he did accent, the, the the West Coast accent. <laughs> and it, and it don't, he's passionate, like he enjoys the stories. Yeah. What 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 book is your what book is your baby? Like that book you like? That book is the book right there. Um. Well, Gangster, of course, because Gangster was the one that put me on the map. But I also say Ghetto Bastards. Ghetto Bastards, um, I had to publish on major publishing houses for so long, and I had published other people, but I had never self-published one of my own products to see like what I could do on my own independence. Ghetto Bastards shook the world. It shook the world because it was the first time there was no deadline, there was no obligation, there was nobody on my back. This is just my story that right. I'm writing because I feel like doing it. In your own time, that's right. Now, tell me this. Uh, if there ever was, I mean, I, most most writers are, uh, are, are big music fans of, of, of whatever particular genre. Um, are there one or two songs of any of your favorite artists that would describe your life story? And if so, what songs? What song? Um, what's the song with um with Jay Z and Memphis? What's the, what's, what's the name of the band? I'm gonna age. Yeah. On volume one. No, that no. What what, what album was that? That was reasonable uh, doubt. Reasonable doubt. Yeah, reasonable doubt. Yeah, because it was like, yo, you see somebody provide them with an like, I'm gonna show you how to feed yourself. Here, take this money now. Don't give me shit. Show me how to get to it. Right. <laughs> That's right. Now, piggybacking on... I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tanya. No, go ahead. Now, piggybacking on, on that question, are there any um, celebrities, whether in R&B, rap, or whatever genre, or even in acting, that showed you a lot of support? Um. Yeah. Uh, Jackie Christie from the Basketball Wives. Um, she was reposting some of the joints. Um, who else? Who else? Um, damn. It was a few people. I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, what's the dude's name? Fuck, I'm drawing a blank. You gotta be careful with Jackie. Jackie Christie ain't rap too tight. Uh, listen. Yeah, leave her alone. Somebody, listen. Somebody gave her a copy of Animal. She was on Instagram with it. Talk my eyes. I said, thank you. There you so go. People, like, people like jump jump on that like oh it's Jackie Christie what is animal what are you talking about so you know and I always appreciate but it was a few people like I said I'm drawing a complete blank right now there's nobody I can think that I'll be like oh all right come on now I know uh, it seems like a lot of your books talk about the hood a lot of your books talk about drugs and you know females and the fights and you know but what I what I also noticed is that some go into like the devil worshiping or you know some of the like, and usually when I get to that part, I'm like, okay, I probably need to take a break and go read like something like you know nice and soft and pink because I, I feel like I have to pray after these books sometimes. So you know, 
how how is it that you're able or how what's what's your mindset i guess so your your process for actually putting together these stories and bring these other elements into your your, your stories you probably saw my diamonds and pearl um you know yeah yeah. <laughs> I grew up as a kid. I grew up a fan of all things supernatural and mystic. So that, what my thing was, I didn't start out writing urban novels. Gangster wasn't my first book. My first book was um called Bloodlines, mm-hmm. and it's a vampire novel. I was um riding cross country in the back of a car on my way to, <laughs> to go to school. And um, I was bored. I, it, like, if you have a road process, that, that just, and you're a teenager, you antsy. So, when we stopped at the gas station, I bought like four spiral notebooks. And I started writing this vampire story. And by the time I got to Illinois, I finished the story, put it in the cut, never did nothing with it. So, when I got signed to Triple Crown, um, and everybody was dreaming about gangster. I said, you know, that's great, but this is not what I write. This is not really the genre I write. <laughs> I write in this genre. And she was like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I got to a major publisher, I was like, look, this is not the genre I write. I write in this genre. And it, they was like, no, you don't. You write in this genre. <laughs> you don't like it. <laughs> So that was kind of, but I've always been like, you know, and, and it's so crazy that when I finally did get to start putting that stuff out, I had, they, they made me do it under a pen name. Mm. And there was a, a lot of stuff that went on. The series went on to do okay, but there was a lot of stuff that went on behind closed doors that it stole the life. It wasn't Bloodline, it was another story I wrote, but it stole the life from that. And people always ask me because um, the characters Cross and Gangster, um, Tan in the Helm from Street Dreams, and somebody else wants to get right now. They're all from the paranormal books. So what I would do was, every time somebody would shoot me down for a deal with a paranormal book, I would take one of the characters and drop it in one of the street books. <laughs> and so that way, it's a conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you this. When editors review your novel, after you handle it, hand it in, mm-hmm. and they review it, are they only looking from a grammar standpoint, or also they give them feedback about character development and changes they think you should make to the story. And as an author, how do you receive that? Um, well, you have some that kind of just let you do what you do, but then you have some who want to overstep. And I've been um, in that situation a couple of times until I was finally like, I, that was more, one of the most liberating moments I ever had in my career when I realized that I could tell an editor no, that I didn't have to go along with what they suggested. To the point where I, I got it in my contracts. You mm-hmm. can only correct my spelling. You can't touch my content. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things, though, that they will come to you and be like, well, you need to change this and do that? All right, let me give you an example. Y'all ever been to the porthole in Harlem back in the 90s? That's that. Listen, that's a different story. We have to maybe have to cut this off. So, <laughs> so. If I put the pornhole in the book, the editor will change. Like, and I'm like, why did you? Oh, as per Google, this, I'm like, you can't tell me about Google, boy. Like, I was there. I've been there. Like, <laughs> what book? So what like, book has the pornhole? Huh? Well, you got a book which I got the pornhole in it? No, I was using that as an I, I, oh, an example. No, I, no, I did. I did use it. I think Street Dream. 
as per Google. Because I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna die outside the portal. Like, you know what? This place is crazy. I can't come. And, and we didn't know. We in there, yo. We in there with the we, we young dudes. We got the big jewelry on, and they was like, "Oh, fresh fish." And they was on a different type of time, like out there. We like, we all went home with our jewelry, but it wasn't easy. Did they make it a point though to make sure that the editor was at least somebody who could potentially relate to some of the stories? No, because what they do is they get these editors from and not all the time, but with the major publishing houses, especially, they'll get a chick from Bumfuck, Idaho, to edit a book that's set in home. So she's completely lost. And what they would do is they would send me these little glossaries in the back of the edits. Like, can you just answer all this and i'm like looking at this shit like it's common sense to us because we from new york we didn't been around but to them they're like oh well the, the um when i what was the other place um the strip joint uh i put the strip joint in it uh was it not party city it was called the party something it was uptown and i was like and i had a good time there one night so i put it in a book <laughs> like, we can't use this. This place doesn't exist. I'm like, for you, it doesn't make sense. You doesn't make sense. <laughs> I was there Tuesday, you know. So, so you gotta find like, it, and it's tough finding an editor who really kind of, kind of gets it because it's like a lot of the time with, during the editorial process is spent arguing back and forth about the dialogue. Mm. So, so, so you mean to tell me you have somebody from Bumfuck, Idaho? Try to grammatically slang that you put in yes. the book. Yes, yes. Wow. And like, and like certain shit that, and I gotta go back and change the spelling. Now, why would you change this? So like, um, there's a word, right? It's uh, S-T-E-T. Uh, S-T-E-T. And you put that next to the word. They make a change. This was back when we were still doing, doing the manuscript on paper. If they make a change, you like you put S-T-E-T there. All you would see through my whole manuscript was S-T-E-T. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain to the editor, like, yo, these people, they don't, they don't get it. Like, one thing about me, my my, 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 um, my narration is grammatically correct, but there's a lot of slang in my dialogue. Mm-hmm. Right. They don't talk like that. Right, right. They don't understand what they're talking about. What did she write? Adam Clayton Powell. She changed seventh to Adam Clayton Powell. I said, yo, we know what that seven does. Seven, that's right. Come on, what are you doing? I looked it up on Google and it's just had a place. But it's seven does. Seven does. Right. That's right. Yo, coll- collaboratively, have you worked with any other authors and who? Nah, we, we tried that shit one time and it just went so far to the left. Because as y'all can tell by this interview, I'm a very different sort of dude. Like the way I think, the way I move, like my whole way, my whole habit. I'm like Raymond. So not everybody can get that. Not everybody can can can, can dig that weirdly like how I may not write nothing for a week and then I'll get up and I'll pop up and I'll stay up for three days drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes, typing in the bathroom, hitting you at three in the morning, like, yo, I got an idea. Yes. And we're working on something together and it's just that's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people want to take the time, you know. So like anthologies and stuff, man, but like collaborative, no, because it's just like Peanut butter, no jelly. There you go. There you go. Go ahead, Tanya. Now, um, you've written a lot of series um, within, you know, your career. When do, when do you actually decide to stop or end the series to go into something else? Um, that's so crazy. You know why? Because originally, 
I was one of the. I, I always said I'm not doing no series. I'm not getting caught up in this series. They're gonna get to stand alone and leave me fuck alone. <laughs> so, even with um, even with Hood Rat, right? The Hood Rat, the Hood Rat books. It's not really a series. I don't know if y'all do that. It's not a series. It's part of Animal, right? No, it's not even that. I came up with an idea one day because I was trying to get a bag, and I said, "Yo, I got this book called Hood Rat." And they loved it. The book didn't exist. They loved it, and was like, "Yo, if you can make it a series, we'll give you some more money." So what I was doing was I started writing stories um, with recurring characters. Okay. So the Hood Rat series didn't become an actual series where it's just following one main character until Section Eight, which was the third <laughs> series. So, and I think that the story will let you know when it's time to when it's time to stop. I see some people they overkill it, and I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Every 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 story don't need a hundred parts. When right. I wrote Raph and I put Raph out, I said with Raph and Raph is a big ass book. And I said, yo, with Raph is one and done. Do you think that stops people from saying like, yo, we gotta get a part two to Raph? Listen, <laughs> everything don't need a part two. Like what I'm gonna do with like, everything doesn't need a part two or a part two hundred. That's not the story. You keep it pushing. Yeah, I felt that about the coldest winter ever. I thought the coldest winter ever should have just stopped at the coldest winter ever. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Well, you know what? I didn't. I, this, this, this other one, I didn't read the other one, but I'm like, you gonna touch a classic? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't touch Gangster until I was absolutely sure about Gun. Else, I wouldn't have did. That's why certain books, Street Dreams, Eve, certain books, I'll never do a sequel to a sequel to because they just need to be left alone. And they're mm-hmm. gonna need a, a whole bunch of parts. Yeah. All right, brother. I got. I have. I have two questions, right? Um. Shout out to you having uh, you know, multiple deals with the different publishing houses, but um, whatever a time where it was a book or several books when you thought it was more work than the art of writing. And then number two is tell us about the G in the book that you did. Okay, now you said did that there ever come a time where I thought the writing the book was more work than the album. Did I hear it right? Because I know I'm, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Like, 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 like based based upon the various uh, publishing deals you had, right? Um, was there ever a time where it, w- w- a several book, or well, just a book or several books, when you when you when you felt it was like when you was putting the pen to the pad trying to get it out there was it was it more um work than just the art of it or the love of it based Hell upon yeah. like pressure based upon pressure well i was you know, with section eight i wrote that last because i was so far behind on the deadline section eight is the first book with animal in it i wrote the, like the last seventy thousand words in seven days mm. that's a lot you know what i'm saying so like that was like that was a situation where I'm like, I'm not doing this to myself. No. I wouldn't do right. this to myself. Again. So you know, and when and a lot of times when when a writing feel like work, it ain't no good. Now also, uh, the piggyback is not nah, go. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, the G in the book. That was just that shit was what it was. You know, it could have been something epic. But it just the pieces weren't there for it. Like I went in, I did. And the, let me tell you the crazy shit about the G unit. I was supposed to give them 
one book. Um, I forget which book I was supposed to give them. And some type of way, they ended up seeing this other book that I was writing called Blow. And it was like, well, can we have Blow instead? And I said, you can absolutely have Blow. And I'm going to tell you why I gave Blow. All my friends, like all my friends and my cousins and everybody I grew up with is in prison right now for, for life, 40 years, 30 all on the same indictment. Except for me, because I started writing books and I wasn't really in like that anyway. I was just a nigga who was around. Um, so what happened was, people that we had grown up with was the ones who was telling and taking a stand. I'm like, yo, I grew up, I know your mother, I know your grandmother, and you in here, and you this, you doing this what you doing? So what I did was I said, okay, I'm a writer now. So you can do one of two things. You can fuck everything you got up and go and try to be the tough gangster nigga and, you know, you know what I'm saying, code of silence, all that shit. Or this book that 50 Cent wants, you can put all the snitches' real names and addresses in the book. Yeah. <laughs> That's a better idea. Yo, their first name, last name, where their mama stay. This in there. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's wild right there, bro. Let me ask you, let me ask you this. You huh? did but with all of the all of the talk about Birdman, uh-huh. You did you you did a deal with Birdman, right? Yeah. And you got and because I'm listening to interviews, you got the, you got paid the first time. Did you get paid the second time? <laughs> <laughs> Because that's the rap on Birdman that you can get the advance or you get the, the first check, but the second check can get a little bit more challenging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make no mistake. I see it, but like, I'm not even going to say the second check. Maybe around the third or the fourth one, it's starting like, y'all like, what are you doing? <laughs> because like, yo, I, made a, I made an asshole full of money and cash money. And the best mm. part about money, they not only signed me because what happened was I didn't want to do it because I had to do the G unit thing and I said, I don't want to do no more gimmick shit. I'm not doing that. Yeah. So Birdman was like, we want K1 to come over. I'm like, man, tell Birdman, fuck out of here. I know. So <laughs> Birdman was like, well, how much money is this nigga looking for? My agent gave him a number. Birdman said, double it. And double it up. Double it up. Double it up. Stop playing. Let's go. I said, fuck it. I'm cash money. So, um, like, and the thing is, they were good about, if I had an idea, and you know, I, I have crazy ass ideas, if it makes sense, they'll pay for it. If it was somewhere I wanted to go, come on, as long as it makes sense, we'll pay for it. And I was going, and I was doing shit that authors weren't doing, because money was paying for it. Not only that, I, I it, it allowed me an opportunity to reach back and some of the independent graphic designers, editors, and things like that, that I had worked with in the past, yeah, able to pull them in and get them double what they normally would charge. Yeah, yeah that's dope. Yeah. And it wasn't all bad, like I said. Oh, towards the end, that shit got shaky, bro. <laughs> got shaky, but I got. But if you ever, if you ever, people, I'm the only one that got out of the deal that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I got out of the Listen, I see, I see it coming. And they thought I had the, they, they thought I had some inside track, inside secret, inside information. No. And I'll never tell them how I came about the information. But the information is what was kind of like, it was leveraged. Like, look, I know X, Y, and Z is going on. I don't want no problems. I don't want no money. Just 
Let me go ahead and slide over here and we good. <laughs> give me, give me, give me this, this and this back. And I'm gonna go over here. My man. And that was yeah. that. It was, you know. Has has the business I, I asked I asked a lot of musicians this. Like, has the business element um tainted the, the desire to create? Have you had some some sort of chance with it? Absolutely, because I'm an I'm an artist. I'm not built for 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 the political shit. I'm not the meetings and all that. That's not my thing. I don't mm. deal with nothing. And within the but then when you don't deal with it hands on, the business can get so far. Even when you have like I have an agent, you know, one of the most popular, one of the biggest agents in the game. But even with that, the business will still get fucked up because, like I said, it's a lot of it's a lot of behind closed doors gangster shit going on even with the major publishing house. And let me tell you this: Amazon is the biggest gangster in the world. Mm-hmm. So you know, but the business can definitely still enjoy. So I just try to, you know, it's frustrating, but I just try to keep my head down and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tanya. Um, have I'm, I'm assuming that you read or you've heard about True to the Game. Have you seen the movie? Yeah, I saw the first one. Was what's your thoughts on how the movies, I guess, reflect how the stories are usually, you know, um, written? It's, again, it's one of those things where you have to try to convince the best parts of your work into um, into into uh, one third of the space. Um, mm-hmm. I I thought that I see what they were, I see what they were what they were shooting to do. And don't get me wrong, I got mad love for Terry. Like I see what they were aiming to do, but I understand why some people said it fell short. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I know I've, I've read. Um, what was it? Oh gosh, what was that called? Dutch. Uh, uh, here we go. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I read Dutch. I read, you know, all the stories, and I, I read that the original author, I guess, got into some sort of issue with Terry Woods, and the last book, both authors wrote separate endings. Oh, okay. So. Have you been in a situation with any, um, I guess, any of uh, people that you've worked with where you got like you gotten so stale or that they had some sort of control over your work that they were actually able to kind of like totally obliter- obliterate what you did and make it their own? No, never make it their own. Never. Like, I, I listen, I die, with my, I die and kill over what I hold dear. You feel me? Not, not to say it like that. Mm-hmm. But not making my own book, but there have been some. Um, I had to move the phone, but I think the laptop was moving, making it static up. But I have had some bad situations, you know, business or whatever. Mm-hmm. But never, you can't never put it. Listen, I remember Vicky telling me, like, you're never going to stop, are you? I said, no. <laughs> when, we was going, when we was going through what we were going through about like, getting gangster back, she's like, you're never going to stop. No, never. We got beef forever until we fixed it. And we fixed, and we fixed it, and I appreciate it for that. Oh, man. Man, I asked, I asked Shannon Holmes, when we had Shannon Holmes on, I was saying to him, you know, because he, he wrote Be More Careful in his cell. So you know you hungry when you're in that cell. Uh-huh. But when he got out, he was like that his work ethic wasn't nearly the same. But you got over 30-some publishing books in, in what, less than 20 years? writing like yo what, 18, what keeps you 18, 18 years what keeps 18, you going 18, 18 years 30 this, plus 
Yeah. What and keeps you going? Only, the only reason is only 30 something books is because when I was with a major, they would only let me put out one book a year. Wow. When I started doing other shit is when I started going crazy. Mm. So I'm sorry, I didn't hear the ask me the question. Yeah, no, I'm saying so how do you how do you stay motivated? Like what's your muse? I don't want to go to work. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Um, it no, works. No one, it's your dream. It's working, bro. Yeah, yeah, this is something I this is something I, that I love. And not only that, I'm not living my dream. I'm living my mother's dream. This was something that she died right, before she could even. You know what I'm saying? So that's, right. that's what keeps me like, all right, I got to get. So, you know, sometimes I'll be on some. I don't want to write. I don't want to write. And it would be times I lay in the bed, binge watch TV, and don't write. But when I catch that lightning in the bottle, all you see is sparks. Mm. Yep. Is the writing process different now? Like, I mean, you. So what now? You could be. You could have your phone and something come to mind, or are you doing dictation. Like, how has it changed from since when you first started? Listen, I've been writing a book the whole time I've been on this interview with you in my head. That's why I had to. I, I had the phone. I had the phone balance on the laptop. So that may be where the static comes from. I'm gonna ask if I could be one of the characters, but I gotta be right. <laughs> yeah, it got, it, it's like you never know when it hits you. I could be some. Sometimes I have I have a thought or an idea so powerful I'll be in the car and I gotta pull over mm. and I gotta jot it down because you, because when the thought leaves you, by the time you get home, you remember what you was thinking about. You know what's happening, what's going on. Well, I I, I tell you what, that's that's a perfect segue to talk about the brown paper bag. Mm-hmm. Writing your thoughts on the brown paper bag. Yeah. That was um I was having an argument with my baby mother. God bless you. I was having an argument with my baby mom. And um it was the argument was over something so stupid, something so small. Like and I'm like, yo, you fucking tramp. If you was a character in a book and I started writing this character with my teenager. And I was like, well, damn, this bitch needs some, she's like, this is what I'm saying at the time. She needs somebody to be yelling at. And I came up with Lulo. And I said, well, if she's yelling at Lulo and he don't have no way to finish his problems, he's going to kill her. So I came up with Gun. And that's how kind of like how it, it grew like that. A tough, uh, I think it was a key food paperback. <laughs> that's crazy. That's dope, though. Your imagination is crazy, bro. I love you. It is. Yep. I appreciate that. Like y'all, y'all see for yourselves that I'm a log off. I'm a log off. Come back, and I can't help it. I can't slow it down, even to do an interview. I have trouble slowing it down. Okay. So. Okay. This is really keep, keep a pen. He keep a pen in your hat. You probably just keep on like, No, and I'm the and I'm the writer dude that never has a pen. You stop me in the street, hey brother, you got a pen? Oh shit, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and never so I jot it down in the phone or whatever or, right, right. or you know whatever is accessible at the time right that's right how helpful has social media been for um I guess getting pro pro promoting your, your work or like in engaging and interacting with your readers um it's been it's been cool I, I think social media because I get to engage and interact with readers who I, I, um, I maybe normally wouldn't. You know, they live other places, places that I may have visited or may not go. They live other places, so you know, it's good. Right. I think it um, it gives me a bigger platform to touch people. But sometimes social media can be really intrusive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because you know you become friends with people on social media and they start making comments about your real life and they become the problem. Mm-hmm. But I, I love it though. Social media. Yeah, I've read somewhere also that that you um you mentor inner city kids or work with. Yeah, or... yeah. I used to do a lot. I had not so much in the last couple of years, but a lot like going to like the jails in the youth facilities and. You know, just you might find me on the soapbox with a bottle of Hennessy preaching to the young homies. You know, like hit it, like hit this nigga go again. <laughs> what, what, what's the? I guess what's the message you give to young men that um, you know, that's out in the streets or you know, might be in a situation where they they have these thoughts on how they can do something like you and still you know they look at you and you're you're you know one of the dudes on the street mm-hmm. but you're also a famous writer what's the message that you give to young men plan and execute there you go plan and execute and that's the truth that's the one thing i, I had to learn to see in the beginning i didn't have a learn I, I didn't have a plan so i didn't flourish in the beginning once i came up with a plan there was nothing that could stop me but me Mm. Even if you got a plan, it's like instead of getting up at twelve o'clock in the afternoon, I'm gonna try to get up at eleven every day for a week straight. Start there. A little bit of discipline. That's yeah, right. develop your discipline because like a writer, like a writer's discipline is nuts. Yeah, I could imagine. I just learned that too. Somebody said you should celebrate your discipline. Yeah, you probably celebrate it. Yeah, but you know what? I, I I look at it like you know why I don't celebrate my discipline because this is what God put me here for. This is my job. This is my sole purpose in life, to be a good father, a good husband, and the best writer ever. So this, right. is, what I, this is one of the three things that I'm putting on this, so fuck it, nothing else matters. I don't give a fuck, like, that, and that's why they didn't know what I looked like in the first few years, I didn't give a fuck. You don't have to celebrate my, the fact that I can sit here for three days, I ain't washed my ass doing this weather. I don't care. Hmm. Get them stories, get in them stories. That's the real legacy, but I think, you're right, discipline should be celebrated because people don't know what goes into it, but just me personally, I'm like, that's <laughs> So when we get, when we gonna get a, a TV series or film adaptation of one of your novels? When, 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 when these people stop acting like I'm still a dumbass 25 year old kid from the projects. <laughs> Are they trying to lowball you too? That's what Shannon, they try to lowball him. It's not, it, yeah, they will try to lowball you, but it all depends. See, I talk to people behind the scenes, so I know like the difference. Like certain things that I wouldn't know. Like, are you coming in on the writer end? Are you coming on a on the production end? Did you want back in on whatever the film? Like, you know what I'm saying? And it all depends. Like the the, the people that y'all think got the most money to shell out of these streaming services are actually a lower than the total pool. And the people that you the, the streaming service you think is a bum are the, are the ones giving out the most money they don't have the overhead for the promotion and all that shit. Yeah. And the stories are not always good. So if you got a if you got a hundred thousand dollar budget and, and you can buy five stories for a hill of beans and still have eighty thousand left, <laughs> you can afford to pay something good. Like a public I thought there was a publisher that once said, Yo, I, I pay these motherfuckers what I feel like paying them. So that way I got the extra feel. I wow. won't with that. <laughs> Yeah. So um, it all depends on how you how you look at things, man. Yeah. Have you seen Carl Weber's Family Business? Yeah, I thought that you know Carl Weber's my dude, man, and I was so proud of him for getting his stuff on television. Yeah. Tanya got me watching it. If she, she one night she was like, "You gotta look at this." Yeah. I, I think I may have watched one me this. first couple of episodes, and then next thing you know, 
I think I may have watched like we watched like both seasons, right? In a yeah. day. So Shania said, "I'm going to go do my podcast. When I come back, we're going to watch Family Business, right?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Like I'm calling, like I'm saying, like open the door, brother. I'm coming. Open the door. You open the door, crack. I'm gonna kick that bitch the rest of the way in, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, that'd be dope to see. I don't know if um, I don't know if if we if we can handle um animal on screen though. And that's the one. That's the one everybody wants. Of course, everybody wants the animal, and I got the seven like, minutes, brother. I can make a whole, I can make a, a whole, I can give you six seasons of a television show with animal, yeah, or three, or, or three really good movies. Condensed um, into ten books. I know. Um, was Animal Five? I think it's about to come out. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, a, I got, I keep telling you, I'm gonna do a Beyonce because people oh. ask, when is Animal Five coming out? When is Animal Five coming out? It's just gonna drop. Uh, drop. Yeah, it's just gonna drop. It's like Beyonce style, like bam. It's gonna be worth it. It's it's absolutely gonna be worth it. And, uh, so so now that we have an end with um Kwan, can you just give me I guess something for the readers um that will like stick, especially these Facebook ladies like Facebook uh-huh. are waiting for and so, so what? So give me something and and that's gonna happen in this, in this book that just a little spoiler just to keep us at bay until it comes out. Everybody dies. Oh come on! <laughs> everybody. <laughs> Listen, everybody, everybody. Dies. No, everybody. The, um, the spoiler. Everybody. I put it to you like this: everybody and the whole crew is going to get exactly what they deserve in life. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've been following the story. You know how each man, how each man moves, and you know. But I did introduce yeah. some new characters. I introduced some new characters for a whole different reason. Uh-huh. Y'all will see it in a second. What was the um? Oh gosh, the 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 the, the place in Miami that you did the books at Pink something. Oh, um, when we did the sign in the nice place with the lights and all of that. No, the the, the books that you um. Oh, that... Purple, oh no, Purple Purple City. Yes, yes. Purple City. Will we yeah, see any more of that? Huh? Will we see any more from Purple City? No, Purple City, the sole purpose of Purple City was to really introduce diamonds and the girls. There was supposed mm-hmm. to be one there's supposed to be one more Purple City book. I just haven't had a chance to finish it. Okay. So there's one more purple, but it was to really cause you see how Animal Met Diamonds and then Diamonds ended up with his series. Yeah. And then I yeah, and I know I read like I guess a spin-off from the from the ladies that did something else. Right, yeah. So you got Rain Purple Rain, then mm. you got Nikki Grind over here, and it was supposed to be a third one. That I okay. haven't had a chance to finish. Okay. Uh, tell us about. Tell us about. Uh, were there were there several times where you had writer's block, and how did you get how did you get over it? Yeah. Um, writer's block is writer's block is simply overthinking. It's like it's like writer's block is like your pipe getting clogged. Right. You know, and so to unclog the pipe to keep the the, the shit going. If I like, if I'm writing a story and I feel like I got writer's block on this particular story, I'm gonna move to something else. But I ain't gonna stop moving. I'm gonna, right. re- I'm gonna reroute the energy. If the energy's not for this right now, I'm gonna rewrite. I'm gonna reroute. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, I caught myself trying to write a book, and I had like six pages of a run-on sentence, <laughs> and it went from it went from first person to this person said that, and then I did this, and she did that. And then before I knew it, I read another book and I was like, hold up. Something like that was in my book that I wrote. God damn it, now I gotta throw it away and start so again. That, that, that happens. That happens. You think like, so, like so it's this. not just me. 
It's just like it's like when God starts sprinkling ideas out that big salt shaker, you ain't mm. the only one to catch it. It's the quickest to the draw. Mm, okay. And that's what I was gonna ask. Like, how how do you handle that? Because I'm 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 right. I'm like, this is crazy. good. Like, it drives me crazy. And I'm like, cause it happens, I'll be like, shit. <laughs> they got to a story and shit. They mm-hmm. got it already. Okay, guess, not just me. Guess what? No idea is original. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> idea is original. See? <laughs> I like how you did that. <laughs> no idea is original. Good plug, bro. Good plug. Bro. So, since, since Tanya, since Tanya, you know, recommended you for um for the interview, and, and I appreciate it. Like I thought this was a dope conversation. No, Tanya, I'll give you the last question. Kwan. What can we expect next from Kwan? Um I got um, Animal Five coming out. I have another book, um, The Reluctant King, uh, and I have another book called Broken. I want to try to squeeze the third Diamond book in the twenty twenty one. God willing, we'll see where it goes. Yo. Okay. Well, we appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Yo, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Your time, bro.